engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Okay, I, I've been sitting here debating now for the last little while whether or not to play this audio for you, but I think I got to do it. I, I totally got to do it. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number is 404-872-0750, wsb talk This is circulating widely on social media today. Um, it, it's relevant as the Georgia legislature considers the fetal heartbeat legislation. I will have you uh, names of Republicans who are going wobbly on the legislation and the implications for it here in a little bit as well. I'm, I'm being told very reliably Joe Biden is expected to end enter the race for president i'll bring you the update but first i gotta i gotta i i never i didn't know this was a thing and apparently it's not a huge thing but it certainly gives you the insight into where the far left is these days so the, this is i gotta play you some audio from a lady and her assistant uh apparently this is the angelic initiative it's an all-volunteer organization combining spirituality and activism uh, the, the lady, oh my goodness gracious. Um, so this person has apparently developed an unusually, according to her website, effective technique to combine the power of energy work with the depth of experience straight hypnosis allows. And they have a YouTube series, thousands of episodes on YouTube where they engage in liberal activism and new age mumbo jumbo. You just so basically what they do is they sit in chairs and they wave their arms in the air, uh, kind of like Beto O'Rourke does. Um, but they wave arms in the air and they talk in this channeled language where they talk about liberal nonsense. This is just, uh, you're driving home, you're stuck in traffic, the person in front of you is an idiot, and you need a laugh. This is totally worth playing, and it gives you some insight into where we are as a country, and none of it is good, so you just better laugh or you'll cry. Extreme biohazard data from the deeper, denser dimensions. And so it is an extreme biohazard to make justifications for parasitism. That's true. It isn't okay. Friends, we have enough humans on the planet. We don't need any more humans. It is not okay for women to have babies and stop contributing to the process under the pretense that they're doing a good thing by staying home and raising children. We don't need children. If you find yourself pregnant, there are options, and you can have an abortion. No babies. Cut off the baby factories. We have 7.5 billion with a B humans on the planet. That's too much. The actual ideal amount seems to be under 1 billion. That's under true. 1 billion. We have 7.5 billion. No babies. Women who have babies and stay home to raise them should not be viewed as doing a good thing. That's not a good thing. It's completely not what the situation calls for at all. This is nuts. <laughs> you should see them. They got their hands in the, you know how like when, when a preacher gives the benediction and people raise their arms, this is what these women are doing as they pronounce this. Now I, I've never heard of this. I'm just, I'm deeply fascinated by this. So this lady's name apparently is Lynn. And she's got 29 years experience in facilitating altered state connections to between lives dimensions. Lynn uses many energy healing tricks to supplement hypnosis. 
She believes essentially that they're connected to the angelic realm by raising their hands in the air and, and chanting mumbo jumbo new age nonsense. I, it, it dawned on me what this sounds like. So let, let's just let's let's roll back a little bit and listen to this. If you find yourself pregnant, there are options and you can have an abortion. No babies. Cut off the baby factories. We have 7.5 billion with a B humans on the planet. That's too much. The actual ideal amount seems to be under one billion. This is, it, it, I finally, it dawned on me. I was reading some of the tweets related to this. This is what NPR would sound like if they were on LSD. I, I'm pretty sure. This is this is bizarre. I mean, wow. As, as somebody else said, the, it's the left-wing diamond and silk. It hurts my head to see that. Goodness gracious. Nonetheless, you, you kind of get an idea here where we're headed in Georgia with fetal heartbeat legislation from that. The, the Democrats are pouring money into the state um, to preserve and protect abortion rights in Georgia. The legislature is considering uh, legislation that would re- begin to impose restrictions on access to abortion once the child has his own heartbeat separate from his mother's. When, when the child's heartbeat is separate and distinct from his mother's heartbeat uh, or her mother's heartbeat, I should should say, given the number of girls who are aborted in this country, when her heartbeat is separate and distinct from her mother's, the legislature, uh, the legislation would begin to place restrictions on abortion. And it is actually some conservative Republicans in the state, uh, in the state Senate, who are beginning to raise objections to this. Uh, I am told, just so you know, uh, names that I, I hear of people who are going wobbly on the fetal heartbeat legislation, John Albers, Frank Jen, Jesse Stone, John Kennedy, uh, Dean Burke, Mike Dugan, Butch Miller, uh, Butch Miller, Mike Dugan. Uh, interestingly enough, th- their names have come up in Jesse Stone as well. Their names keep coming up in sabotaging scores of conservative legislation this year in the state Senate. They're, they're in uh, Republican districts, conservative districts, and yet continue to be obstacles. Part of me wonders if they're throwing themselves uh, on the issue to spare some of the uh, swing district Republicans. So the swing district Republicans can say, yes, they're in favor of it, uh, uh, but still actually behind the scenes be opposed to it. I'm not sure, but those are your names. We'll get more into the details of this fetal heartbeat legislation, what it would actually do, and the money pouring in from out of state against it here in a minute. We got to go to Joe Biden entering the race. So Joe Biden, the former vice president, two terms for Barack Obama, uh, recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom, longtime senator, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee during the 90s. He appears on the verge of running for president. I am being told by people who know that Joe Biden is making phone calls to top Democratic donors, telling them that not only is he in the race, but that the party risks losing to Donald Trump in 2020 by veering too far to the left. Most interestingly, the large money donors of the Democratic Party are becoming concerned with some of the rhetoric from Democratic candidates that the party is moving too far left on a host of fiscal issues. Believe it or not, there are millionaire and billionaire Democrat donors who understand that if the Democrats move too far to the left, it puts them and their money interests at stake. And I'm also being told that some of the other Democratic candidates appear willing to attack their own large donors, knowing they will not actually go to Donald Trump. 
that they can attack them and use this as a weakness to Joe Biden, that Joe Biden would essentially be undermining the cause. There's a host of oppo research ready to go. The New York Times, I'm led to believe, is preparing a large story on Joe Biden's role in getting Clarence Thomas elected or appointed to the Supreme Court, including a focus on Joe Biden's willingness to obstruct and impede Anita Hill in the 1990s. Uh, there are a series of these stories that are being ready to uh, be rolled out about Joe Biden attacking him. They are being coordinated by other Democratic camps wanting to shut Joe Biden down. Now, why? Why, why the flurry against Joe Biden? Much like we're seeing the flurry against uh, Beto O'Rourke, uh, reporters who were fawning over Beto O'Rourke, were out now to sabotage him. Well, the problem is that while the Democratic Party overall is very, very supportive of Joe Biden and wanting more moderation in the Democratic Party uh, lineup for 2020, the majority of Democratic primary voters are not there. The majority of Democratic primary voters are actually to the left of the Democratic Party as a whole, and most troubling for the Democrats want this greater drift towards socialism. So you've got the split within the Democratic Party, and it never actually gets the coverage that the split in the Republican Party gets. There is a real split in the Republican Party. It should not be downplayed. But what I find happens more and more, particularly in the media, they fixate on the Republican Party problems and they ignore Democrats. Democratic Party problems. And so these Democratic Party problems often catch even Democrats off guard because they're not getting covered in the media. It's a real problem within the Democratic Party base. Think of it. Let me just put this in perspective for you. Joe Biden was Barack Obama's vice president. Joe, Barack Obama knew he needed Joe Biden because he needed to reassure not just Democrats, but he needed to reassure the American public as a whole that, <coughs> excuse me, there would be someone competent behind the scenes in the Obama administration who could be the quote unquote adult in the room. And now that Joe Biden is preparing to enter the Republican uh, the, 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 the Democratic nomination against the Republican president for 2020. And Democrats are starting to believe he may be too far to the right for the Democrats. He may be too moderate for the Democrats. He may be too restrained for the Democrats. That guy, if Joe Biden is too far to the right for the Democrats, oh my goodness gracious, the Democrats are in real trouble in 2020. Not all of us sleep the same way. 63% of Americans sleep on their sides. I'm one of them. I, I go from one slide to the other. I fall asleep on my back. I wake up in the morning. I'm on my side. My butterfly pillow gives you the support in the places you need it most. It keeps your neck, spine, and alignment throughout the night, even if you switch sides like I do. My Butterfly Pillow, and it's called My Butterfly Pillow. It's patented sleep technology. It elevates your head to where you need it. It includes a place to fit your arm and a pillow and a pillow for your ear. It's soft. It's comfortable. Listen, this is a pillow for people who get sleep. It's a pillow for people who get how I sleep. It's a pillow for you. The height is even adjustable to get the right height for you. And, you know, I, I also endorse the, the Calm app. My kids use it to go to sleep. Do you fall asleep with white noise or meditative sounds? Get this. 
The My Butterfly Pillow, it has a Bluetooth adapted night owl speaker so you can listen to music sounds or even a smart TV. Seriously, it connects into Bluetooth. You can listen to music while you fall asleep. I do that, particularly when I'm taking naps. Listeners to the show can save $30 off the list price of $129. You use code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout and you'll get My Butterfly Pillow for just $99 and free shipping in the continental United States. You go to MyButterflyPillow.com, you enter code ERIC at checkout, you save $30 and get free shipping. That's MyButterflyPillow.com. The checkout code is ERIC. You will get a better night's sleep. You'll get a better nap. You'll just get a better sleep experience with My Butterfly Pillow. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Democrats worrying a little bit about their enthusiasm. Why? Looks like they used it up for 2018. New polling shows they may have a problem headed into 2020. We'll get into that. Friends, the Democratic Party is deeply concerned about enthusiasm. They're they're not saying so publicly, but uh, my buddy Mark Prescott over at CNN has seen the CNN polling. He's got some details, and Democrats behind the scenes, they're paying attention to this as a problem. So enthusiasm. Voters fired up, but some more than others. Right. So if a lot of talk about enthusiasm on the Democratic side, well, guess what? There's also enthusiasm on the Republican side perhaps even more so. Look at this number right here that shows you where the Republicans are right now. 57% of Republicans are enthusiastic about their vote, while only 46% of Democrats are. Again, we are very early right now, Poppy, in this race, but the fact of the matter is, if Democrats think that their enthusiasm is going to be enough to carry them to defeat President Trump, then they are badly mistaken. If you look at these numbers right now, Republicans are still in lockstep behind President Trump by and large. Enough so right now that he's in pretty good shape of, of having to fend off any kind of, of a primary challenger at this point. And he still has support of just about every Republican right yeah. now as he heads into 2020. That's part of the problem. Now, again, it is early. Mark is right on this. The Democrats have 2 million, 2.7 million candidates to choose from, and they will rally. But there's a problem with the way the Democrats are headed into the 2020 season. Remember, they've gotten rid of superdelegates, and superdelegates were a, a superdelegates were a way for the level heads of the Democratic Party to kind of calm things down and stack the deck, I shouldn't say rig it, but stack the deck in favor of a reasonable candidate who could transcend party lines. Now the Democrats have about five lanes. My buddy Dan McLaughlin at National Review has written about this. The lanes of the Democratic Party. You've got the, the candidates who are trying to harness anger, the candidates who are solely focused on climate change, the candidates who are focused on ideological purity, the candidates who are focused on moderate restraint, and the candidates who are focusing on leadership. Among others. And, and so you got Joe Biden in there saying he he's the guy, he's the leader, he can win, he can reconnect to blue-collar voters that went to Trump after Obama. Uh, you got a, Democrats in there like Kamala Harris who are just screaming with rage. You got Elizabeth Warren in there. And the Democrats are going to have trouble uniting their base with this enthusiasm gap because the question is how bad do they want to win? And some Democrats are privately saying, you know, if the party goes off the rails, we may have to lose to Donald Trump to regain our sense. And that's starting to scare Democratic leaders.
It is Atlanta's Evening News here. Eric Erickson, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, to the phones we go, Eric in Covington. Welcome. Hello, Eric. Hi there. Good to talk to you again. Sure. Unfortunately, your name is slightly misspelled. Yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> anyway, the reason I'm calling is I am scared to death of these idiots running on Democratic side, running for president. Would it be possible to vote for Biden in Democratic primary and not vote Democratic in the end? Uh, yes, you can. Uh, in Georgia, you go. Um, what happens is you pick the primary you want to vote in. And because the presidential primary date is a different day than the general primary, you could go into a Democratic primary and vote for a Democratic candidate since there's not going to be a uh, primary against Donald Trump, I don't believe. You can go vote in the Democratic primary and vote for someone. Now, of course, you'll have to decide. Do you want to vote for the crazy person and hope they go crazy? Or do you want to vote for the reasonable person and hedge your bets in case the president's super vulnerable? And then you can go back in, in a regular primary and, and vote in the Democratic or Republican primary. So uh, you can certainly uh, take your pick there. It is an open primary. You don't have to have previously been registered whatnot uh, to be able to do that. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I want to spend a few minutes on the Gwinnett Marta situation. The vote wasn't even really close. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people, I think most people who were looking at it, expected it to be close. The hint that it wasn't going to be was in the demographics, older voters turning out more than younger voters. So uh, no transportation sales tax increase in Gwinnett County to pay for MARTA. So the subway expansion is not going to happen. I supported it, but I don't live there. Uh, and the people who live there said they didn't want it. And to some degree, I think this is a failure of the supporters of MARTA to make the case for it. And also, a, I would suggest that in the future, MARTA needs to show that it's running itself in a competent manner. And one of the ways that MARTA needs to show that it's running itself in a competent manner is to uh, take, whether it's a perception or, or whether it's reality perception, there certainly is a perception that uh, MARTA, the subway, is not safe and not well-managed, and a waste of money. And they got to work on that, and they got to prove people wrong on that. And I don't know that Marta realizes that in, in, as much as there was some skepticism about expanding Marta because of cost and Republican antipathy towards public transportation, a lot of it was management. Uh, the people who called in and were upset with me for saying I thought it was a good idea, the overwhelming complaint was management the perception of management, uh, waste, fraud, abuse, corruption, all of that. And they're going to need to deal with this issue coming up uh, as they consider expanding. I mean, the fact of the matter is we're going to have to do something in the metro area regarding transportation because if we expand more roads now along the interstate corridors, we're going to have to start taking people's private property more than we have in the past. It's going to be more expensive, and a lot of it's going to be businesses, small businesses, not big businesses. So we're going to cramp our style just in delays and road construction and slowdowns if we don't do something. But the people of uh, Gwinnett County have spoken, and I think the people who want transportation, yeah, they can wait, and they can say the Republicans are going to be a minority here, but they need to pay attention to this number. Uh, they all assumed it was going to be very close, and it wasn't as close as they expected. So they have more problems than just demographics in Gwinnett County. They've got real problems with the image 
of Marta, the perception of Marta, and they need to work on that. Now, uh, we don't need to spend any more time on that issue. Uh, kudos to the voters, though, for caring enough to turn out and vote. We need to move on to the fetal heartbeat legislation in Georgia and the state of play. Uh, Republicans in the state legislature are going wobbly on this issue. There is an inordinate amount of money coming in from out of state on this issue. You got to remember that abortion now is largely a religious issue for the left. It is a sacrament of secularism, the new religion in America. They believe that not only is it a right, but it's a right that must be subsidized. It's as if gun owners, who, by the way, have an actual amendment they can point to in the Constitution, an abortion rights activists don't, but it's as if gun owners had decided that not only is it a right, but the government should pay for your gun since it's a right. Essentially, what uh, abortion rights activists say is not only is it a right that you can't find in the Constitution, but the government should pay for that right. And they don't like restrictions on that right. The uh, abortion rights activists uh, can look at the Second Amendment, which is a uh, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, and they can say, oh, but we, we're allowed restrictions there. But with abortion, that's not even listed in the Constitution. No, no restrictions at all, not, not allowed. Well, the state legislature in Georgia disagrees and or is looking to disagree. The legislation that they have, backed by Brian Kemp, would begin to place restrictions on abortion when the baby has a heartbeat of her own, distinguishable from and separate from her mother's heartbeat. And the restrictions would increase over time through when the child could feel the pain of being ripped apart. Uh, and after that point, largely prohibiting abortion with some exceptions. Democrats, of course, are opposed to this. Again, it, it is a religious, fervently religious belief on the Democrats' part, an irrational belief, if you will. Uh, and yet that's what they're doing. But some Republicans in conservative districts appear to be going wobbly. So names I'm told, uh, John Albers, uh, Frank Jinn, or Frank Ginn, Frank Jinn, Jesse Stone, John Kennedy, Dean Burke, and Mike Dugan, and Butch Miller. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, so Butch Miller is the um, Senate Majority Leader, Mike, or no, he's, he's the President Pro Tem, Mike Dugan, the Senate Majority Leader. So you've got Republican leaders from Republican districts that are not in danger of losing their districts. They're the ones opposing this. What it sounds to me, John Kennedy as well, who's a friend of mine uh, down in the mid-state, uh, John Kennedy uh, practiced law um, in an office uh, right above me, as a matter of fact, in my office. Uh, very nice guy. Uh, and he is also listed as one of the ones they think may be not supporting the fetal heartbeat legislation. And these are all men in safe districts. Interestingly enough, Renee Underman, the Republican woman in the state Senate, she's supporting the legislation. But you got these three men, the Republican leaders, who are opposing it, Jesse Stone and, and the others as well. It, what it reads to me like is you have Republicans in swing districts who they don't want to risk challenges in primaries, but they're worried about winning in general in the general election. They don't want to say they're opposed to it, but they don't want to actually have to vote for it. 
So they're relying on Dugan and Miller and Kennedy and Stone and the others to kill the fetal heartbeat legislation so they don't actually have to cast a vote on it. It's one thing to say you support it. It's another thing entirely to actually go on the record supporting it by casting your vote. So they're relying on these gentlemen to oppose it, to make sure it never gets to the floor so they don't have to vote on it. Now, I am told that the governor wants to see this passed. I am told that the governor uh, and the lieutenant governor are both bringing pressure, trying to persuade these gentlemen to support the legislation. I have to tell you, as a Republican, as a conservative, these individuals are killing school choice. They're killing uh, homeschoolers being able to participate in school sports. They're killing the fetal heartbeat legislation. They're killing basically every conservative reform. Why should conservative voters show up and ensure Republicans control the Georgia State Senate when they're killing all of the same legislation that the Democrats would kill? What is the difference between having the Democrats in charge and the Republicans in charge? At some point, Republicans need to provide a reason for their reelection that's something other than otherwise the Democrats would win. And if they can't point to conservative legislation, say, hey, we're getting all these conservative policies passed. At some point, you got to wonder why bother continuing to reelect these guys? I want to tell you guys about an app I have fallen in love with. Uh, I'm so glad they sponsored the show. My buddy Jonathan Last uh, from the Sub Beacon recommended Calm to me a while back. And now my kids use it to help them sleep at night. I use it when I travel. Uh, it's just, it's a great app. Um, I'm very enthusiastic about it. Now, you're wondering, what, what is this app? What, what is Calm? Well, it, you know, it's it helps you relax. It can help you go to sleep. A lot of people just can't go to sleep when there's just absolute quiet. Calm actually can fill the background with relaxing music or with narration, with stories, with medi guided meditation. Uh, really, really, really helpful to get you to go to sleep at night. Uh, really, really helpful when you just need to unplug for 20 minutes or so and you need to wind down. You just want to relax for a quick. You, you got a short moment. You got a breather at the office. Calm is the app for you. It really, really helps. Now, if you head to calm.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you'll get 25% off Calm premium subscription. It includes guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus. Includes brand new meditations every day. They've got sleep stories that help you relax. You can head to the magical lavender fields of southern France with Stephen Fry. You can explore the moonlit jungles of Africa with Leona Lewis. They've even got soothing music and more. So right now... My listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com slash Eric. Get calm. Stop stressing. Go to sleep. Can we take a moment and pause to reflect on Lifeway? Uh, most of you, I venture to say, have not been in a Lifeway store. The numbers show that. Uh, what is Lifeway? If you don't know, Lifeway is essentially the, the Christian Barnes & Noble. Lifeway is uh, a ministry of the Southern Baptist Convention. It is also a business, publishing business, and owns... Uh, brick-and-mortar bookstores around the country, but they are closing all of them. 
they have announced today they have 170 bookstores. Now, you know, it's deeply ironic uh, that Lifeway, they got a fancy building in downtown Nashville, or they did. They tore it down, moving to a new facility, and their old facility is going to become Amazon headquarters in Nashville. Um, it's sad. Uh, and so the Family Christian Resources closed 240 locations. Uh, that was their biggest competitor. Uh, Cokesbury had 38 retail stores. They were another competitor. They closed all their stores in 2013. Lifeway, uh, basically the last Christian uh, bookstore in America, chain bookstore, and they're closing them down. Uh, you would have thought that Lifeway of all businesses would understand putting in coffee bars and letting people have their Bible studies and stuff in there. I never understood Lifeways always seem to be in, in odd strip mall locations. And I don't know. Um, I, they, the business knows their fundamentals. They, they apparently do more business online than in their stores, and they've been losing money for a decade. They consider themselves a Christian ministry. A, a lot of pastors grouse that they have to buy their stuff through Amazon because Lifeway makes it more difficult for churches to go through. It's just sad. Um, we haven't been to a Lifeway, though, in a while. Um, nonetheless, end of an era, I guess. When we come back, we have other news we need to talk about, including the, this ongoing effort by Democrats to delegitimize everything. Uh, anything that stands in their way, they decide to delegitimize it. Notice how no one is talking about the House of Representatives being gerrymandered because the Democrats won in 2018. But in the run-up to 2018, it was nonstop chatter in the media about the delegitimizing the House of Representatives because of gerrymandering, if I can talk. Uh, something to be considered. It's a pattern in practice. Also, the Kellyanne Conway versus George Conway story. I've got some thoughts on that. But immediately when we come back, the president and John McCain, why does the president feel compelled to continue to trash the legacy of a man who is dead, who he beat, who got beat by Barack Obama, uh, that John McCain lives rent-free in the president's head, uh, says something problematic about the president, and that his supporters continue to defend this, says something deeply problematic overall. As someone who gets calls from the president, I'll tell you my thoughts and what I need to tell him. Good evening, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB with Atlanta's evening news. Can, can I just say there's something odd about the president's inability to let things go? I mean, like really strikingly odd about the president's ability to let things go or not. Um, so here he is earlier at a campaign of, it wasn't even a campaign event. It was an official event of the president, which means uh, he should have left politics out of it under the, the rule book, so to speak. But here he is. A lot of people are asking because they love me and they ask me about a man named John McCain. And if you want that to tell you about, should I or not? Yes? Yes? 
So I have to be honest, I've never liked them much. Hasn't been for me. I've really probably never will. But there are certain reasons for it, and I'll tell you. Uh, and I do this to save a little time with the press later on. John McCain received a, uh, a fake and phony dossier. Do you hear about the dossier? It was paid for by crooked Hillary Clinton, right? And John McCain got it. He got it. And what did he do? Didn't call me. He turned it over to the FBI, hoping to put me in jeopardy. And uh, that's not the nicest thing to do. You know, when those people say, because I'm a very loyal person. John McCain campaigned for years to repeal and replace Obamacare, for years, in Arizona, great state. I love the people of Arizona. But he campaigned for years for repeal and replace. So did Rob, so did a lot of senators. When he finally had the chance to do it, he voted against repeal and replace. He voted against at 2 o'clock in the morning. Remember, thumbs down. We said, what the hell happened? He said two hours before he was voting to repeal and replace, and he went thumbs down. Badly hurting the Republican Party, badly hurting our nation, and hurting many sick people who desperately wanted good, affordable health care. We would have had it. This would have saved our country over a trillion dollars in entitlements, and we would have ended up making a great health care plan, frankly, with the Democrats, because they would have had no choice. McCain didn't get the job done for our great vets and the VA, and they knew it. That's why when I had my dispute with him, I had such incredible support from the vets and from the military. The vets were on my side because I got the job done. I got choice and I got accountability. Accountability meaning somebody mistreats our vets. For 45 years, they were trying. They mistreat our vets. And we say, hey, you're fired. Get out. This went on for five minutes, and it concluded with him saying that he gave McCain the kind of funeral he wanted, which as president I had to approve. I didn't get a thank you. We sent him on his way, but I wasn't a fan of John McCain. <laughs> Listen, all the statements that the president just said, largely agree with him. McCain did say he would vote to repeal and replace Obamacare, and then he didn't. He never did get legislation passed to really clean up the VA. And yeah, he did get a copy of the Steele dossier that was uh, paid for by Democrats, and he passed it on to the FBI. He's deeply concerned about Donald Trump. But he's dead why did the president spend five minutes on a stage at a presidential event, not even a campaign event, a presidential event, spend five minutes on stage attacking John McCain? It's not smart. It, it's not smart politics for the president to do this. The only it, Donald Trump is not going to add people to his support by bashing John McCain. He's not going to add a single vote for Trump 2020 by bashing a dead man who was the Republican Party nominee in 2008. He's not going to do it. What he is going to do is he's going to keep some people from voting for him who might otherwise consider it. 
he's going to keep a story alive that reflects poorly not on a dead man, but on himself. And the press is going to use that against Donald Trump. The press is going to continue to remind people that there's just something odd about this president. Now, I'm one of the original never-Trumpers. I, some people give me credit for coining the term, I didn't. Uh, I just brought it into popularity. And I have said publicly, in 2020, I'll vote for the president. I'll vote for Donald Trump. Uh, I, I have now had multiple conversations with the president. I have had multiple conversations with the vice president. I have been to the White House. I have eaten in the West Wing. I will vote for the president. But I can't defend this sort of stuff. And it makes it hard for the president's surrogates to be able to defend. Why go after a dead man? And there is a, for the president's supporters, there, there are some of you, you want to call in. Some of you look like you're calling in right now to defend the president on this. Every moment you breathe to defend the president attacking a dead man is a moment you're not on offense against the Democrats. It is a moment you're not persuading people to vote for the president. It may make the president feel good to attack John McCain, but it serves him no good. It serves his supporters no good. And I, I got to say, for the McCain supporters who call in, we get them calling into the show, John McCain was a traitor, they say. Uh, many of these people who weren't willing to die for their country when John McCain was, or they some they believe the, the urban legends about John McCain that weren't true, that he sold out his country and whatnot. Uh, or they say John McCain supported policies that, that were traitorous to the country. Who are you to say that a man who was held in captivity and tortured by the North Vietnamese was somehow a traitor to his country because he supported policies you disagree with? There are politicians in this country who openly have contempt for the United States of America. And John McCain was not one of them. And to say he was cheapens what it means to have contempt for this country. Just because you disagreed with the man does not make him a traitor, does not make him someone who hated the United States. You just disagreed politically. And if you're not mature enough to recognize that you can have disagreements with people and, and come to the conclusion that they don't hate the country, they just disagree with what's best for the country, well, maybe you shouldn't vote. Because you're not smart enough. This doesn't help President Trump's reelection. In fact, what's notable is the president had a, a pretty meteoric rise in popularity to almost 50% in the polling, in the polling average. He got over 50% in Rasmussen. But he got to about 50% in the polling averages between Gallup and Pew and, and the CNN opinion poll and, and the Fox News opinion dynamics poll and whatever all the other polls were. He got up to, to 48, 49%, and now he's crashed again. And it happens cyclically with this president. When you look at the spikes in his polling popularity, when does his polling go up? When is the president most popular? It's when he's not doing stuff like this that reminds people he's a bit of a lunatic. There are people sitting on the sidelines. They sat on the sidelines in 2016. And the president needs to persuade them that the Democrats have gone insane. And they should vote for him even if they don't like him. They should do what I did and say, you know what? I can't have the policies I like, but without this guy. So even if I don't particularly care for the president's personal behavior, if I want the policies that this president has given me, i got to vote for Donald Trump. I can't vote for the Democrats. And the Democrats have gone nuts, and, and they think that you should be able to kill a kid up until the moment the kid leaves the hospital. 
The Democrats want to shut down small businesses that are owned by Christians. The Democrats want to do all these crazy things. And, and the president's got to persuade the people still on the sidelines that they may not like him, but he's not insane like the Democrats. And when he does this stuff, when he spends five minutes on a presidential visit standing on stage attacking a dead man for, among other things, not thanking him for his funeral, it just tells a lot of Americans, you know what? I'm just going to sit home. Let all the crazy people fight this out. I'm done. And that's not a winning strategy for 2020. You know, Harry's is kind of cool because they advertise on my radio show and they advertise for the podcast. Harry's is a great razor company. You can save money, particularly, you know, you're fiscally conscious. You're trying to save money. You're on a budget. Uh, you're in college. What have you? Harry saves you money and you get a great shave. It's not like you're compromising a shave with Harry's. It's not like you're getting an inferior shave. You're actually getting a great shave. You're getting a five blade shave. You're getting a shave that's cheaper than the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield, but is just as good, if not better. Better. I mean, the founders of Harry's, they bought their own factory and they make high precision blades. It's just, uh, listen, I've been a Harry's customer for a number of years. If you've seen me on TV, you've seen my clean shaven face. You've seen a clean shaven face that was shaved with a Harry's razor. So if you want Harry's razors, uh, join millions, 10 million who've tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash Eric. You get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. You get a weighted ergonomic handle, a five-blade razor with lubricating strips, trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel travel blade cover listeners of my show can redeem the trial set at harrys.com slash eric make sure you go to harrys.com slash eric to redeem your offer and let them know i sent you to help support the show let's see do i have time i have time i'm going to go to mike in marietta mike welcome to the program hey eric uh I just wanted to sort of uh, talk with your call screener, and I think this was he was when he said that he was speaking to the tank crowd, correct? Uh, Yeah, he was speaking at a a tank manufacturing facility. Yeah, yeah. So to me, it sounds to me like he's basically cementing the folks that he has, as opposed. Well, you know, for example. Here's a, in other words, guys. Here's a guy that was one of you. If 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 there are patriots in the crowd, or or uh, um, I don't know, uh, uh, retirees or whatever, building tanks, you know, patriotic type folks. Here's a guy that did all this for your country, and he turned his back on you. And I understand what you're saying, but I also understand if he's having an intimate talk with those guys, like it, it wasn't preaching to a neighborhood, like. Hey, vote for me, blah, blah, blah. Here's a group of people like-minded, and uh, this guy did this, and I totally disagree. And so, you know, I I don't know what brought it up, if somebody yeah, asked a question. It's it's because uh, apparently the, the president was on Twitter earlier, and, and it became a news story, and he did it there. The, the problem, and Mike, I appreciate what you're saying. Uh, the, the problem, though, is that this wasn't a, it wasn't a campaign visit. It was a presidential visit on economic growth. And no one is going to talk now about a presidential visit on economic growth. No one is going to talk about the president visiting the tank manufacturers. They're going to talk about John McCain. By the way, my favorite email today comes from Gail, who says, you aren't helping him by talking about this. You're the media talking about it. It's not my job to help the president or to hurt the president. It's to cover the news of the day. And guess what? He made this the news of the day.
Hello there. It's Eric Erickson in Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Joining me by fold now is Ed Sessler, state representative, author of the fetal heartbeat legislation. How are you? Hey, Eric. Glad to be with you tonight. So this is before the Senate right now. Can you give me kind of the state of play on this legislation? Well, the bill passed out of the State House on the 7th of March, as you know, Eric, uh, passed out of the sitting committee after four hours of hearings and, and very substantive debate. I think the debate was very strongly won by the, by, by the pro-life side, and now it's uh, scheduled for a vote in the full Senate on, uh, sometime on Friday morning. So what exactly, um, I mean, we're hearing all sorts of scare scenarios about the fetal heartbeat legislation. Can you just kind of walk us through um, what it will actually do? I mean, Eric, the, the the bill, first of all, recognizes that the heartbeat is the threshold for human life. I mean, people know that uh, if there's a heartbeat, there's life, and uh, that, that applies in so many other settings, you know, out, outside the, the, the mother, so that we, we ask the question, shouldn't a child that's inside the mom that has a beating heart be protected with full legal protections? That's That's in essence what the bill does. But in addition to that, Eric, we recognize not only is it scientifically sound like that, but it's also legally sound. You know, we, we, we're, we're told by the federal courts. I mean, the Roe versus Wade opinion itself says that if a state ever establishes the full legal status of the child under state law, then the, 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 the abortion case collapses. I mean, the, the, the plaintiff's attorney that brought the case in the early 1970s recognized that during the oral arguments during the Roe decision. And it's, it's, it's written in the opinion. So we're, we're simply responding to that. We're providing full legal status to the child in the womb. Uh, if they have a heartbeat, we're giving them status for income tax exemptions for parents. We're allowing mothers who are pregnant to, to get child support from dad because we recognize the humanity of the child and we recognize it sounds science and that legally we're putting the, the things in place to make this stand up in the courts. Now, you know, this is one of the interesting aspects that I think gets downplayed is that you would be giving the income tax if if uh, a mom is pregnant, uh, that they will in the child isn't due until after January 1st. In, but in the year of pregnancy, they'll be able to take advantage of tax breaks for par- parents, which I can't tell you the number of people I know who. Uh, that would benefit uh, knowing that their child is coming. It's common sense legislation, Eric. You know, people know when they have a baby on the way. You know, they're preparing nurseries. They're they're, they're incurring all kinds of cost. That uh, a simple exemption as a child is is just passes the common sense test. You know, we know when moms go into hospitals that are pregnant. We know it's not just mom. There's really two patients. And likewise, we, we think it's just common sense that when mom crosses that threshold of the heartbeat. And at that point, there's a 95-plus percent chance the child's going to be carried to term. They're part of the human community. We need to welcome them that way and recognize them in our tax code. And candidly, if mom's incurring costs, you know, medical costs for pregnancy, then if there's a deadbeat dad out there that doesn't want to pay, he ought to, mom ought to be able to get child support from him as well to, to bring the child in this, into the world in a, in a healthy and, and, and fair way. Now, last question for you. Um, the state of play in the Senate, the vote is coming on Friday. What should people be doing? You know, you're, the senators uh, in the majority party and in the Senate, they're, they're pro-life people. They know this is right. They recognize the child being literally violently torn apart inside of mom is wrong and should receive protection. But the left is raging. They are they're issuing threats to senators um, they're they're trash talking people that they're going to be taking down the next election. I think our our great senators need to understand that that, that fair minded 
conservatives, fair-minded people in their communities are going to stand behind them for this common-sense vote in protecting these children. Uh, Don't let the left take over our state by making idle threats and false claims to our senators. Let them know we stand behind them, and I I think the vote will go well on Friday. Well, Ed, thanks very much for checking in with us. Good update. Hopefully this will pass on on Friday. I know the governor's office is paying attention. Governor Kemp is leaning in behind this. It's a campaign promise of his, and he's been a great advocate and a great leader on this issue. Thanks very much. That's Ed Tesler, state representative, author of the fetal heartbeat legislation, uh, with some added insight there on what's happening. Now, while Ed and I were talking, I got a text uh, that John Albers is one of those who was being targeted by the pro-life community, uh, trying to pressure him to get to yes. Uh, Their understanding was that from various outside groups was that he was on the fence, not sure. I am told while Ed and I we're talking that John Albers is a yes on the fetal heartbeat legislation. He will be supporting the fetal heartbeat legislation. It is a big deal. One of the things I'm glad Ed focused on because it gets lost in a lot of the conversation is that essentially the legislation recognizes that a child in the womb, once they have their own independent heartbeat separate from their mothers, is a human being. And as a result, uh, the family should be able to benefit from tax laws about having children. And moms should be able to uh, take deadbeat dads to court to help cover the cost of the pregnancy, which is the right thing to do. So hopefully the state Senate will pass the legislation on Friday. Uh, The governor, I am told, is involved in the discussions. He wants this legislation passed. It is a campaign promise. It would be solidly pro-life legislation. Uh, And it is legislation, by the way, when you tell suburban women that this legislation will allow um, mothers to sue deadbeat dads to help them pay for the cost of the pregnancy, they support this legislation. When you tell them that they'll be able to get a tax break, uh, they'll support this legislation. This is good legislation, solid legislation. It is legislation that the Republican leadership backs. It's legislation uh, state representatives and state senators need to support. Uh, This is good, sound, conservative legislation. So tell your state representative, and particularly your state senator, uh, that they need to support the fetal heartbeat legislation. Hello there. I, I got to tell you, I, I find it humorous what incites people to email and call angrily. A lot of people calling very angrily um, that I would be critical of or dismissive of the president attacking John McCain. Uh, you do realize you're fighting the last war. I mean, I, I hope you realize that. It may make you feel good to nurse your grievance against John McCain. It clearly makes the president feel good to get it off his chest. But, but what good does it do? Uh, that's the point here. It, it's what good does it do? The president gave a presidential visit to highlight the economy at a tank manufacturing facility today. He was going to highlight the jobs. He was going to highlight the technology. He was going to highlight the investment. He was going to highlight the international arrangements with our allies. No one's talking about that. Everybody's talking about John McCain and the president's statement on John McCain. And you could say, well, you're talking about it. You don't have to talk about it. You're, you're absolutely right. I don't have to talk about it. But it's the news of the day. This is Atlanta's evening news. And the news story of the day is that the president spent five minutes on a presidential visit not talking about jobs, not talking about tanks, not talking about the economy, not talking about jobs creation, but instead talking about a dead guy. That's the news of the day. You may not like it, but it's not my fault. It's the president's fault. He's the one who talked about it. My job is to cover the news of the day, and that's part of the news of the day is that he did that. 
Don't be mad at me. Be mad at the president. But you're not mad at the president because you feel the need to defend the president all the time, everything the president does, to come up with reasons to justify what the president does. And what you're missing is that he's fighting the last war. He's fighting a fight against a dead guy. He's not fighting the Democrats. Think of if the president had gone on after the Democrats today, that would have been the headline attacking the Democrats on socialism, attacking the Democrats and how they would destroy these jobs, how the Democrats would put the tank manufacturers out of business. I I think privately you guys get this, but you feel uh, the need at a gut level to defend the president at all costs. And you're wasting your time. I'm going to vote for the guy. He calls me at home. I talk to the president. I have lunch with the vice president. Um, and I need to tell him these things, I guess. Um, but I guess his reaction will be kind of like yours. Maybe. I don't know. We'll talk about it more tomorrow.